This is the Baymont Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we begin our exciting trip through the parables of Jesus. And let me tell you, it will be exciting. Starting with his conversation about four different soils. That was exciting enough you interrupted your intro you statement. Know, well, in the intro, you know, we could, who knows what's going to happen. This episode is uh, the most up in the air we've ever been at the start of a recording. It's true. We, we don't might, know where we're going to go. We might go on and talk about some other stories. So this intro, who, who knows? The who suspense. Knows? It's exciting just because of the suspense to begin with. I do have another question, though. Okay. You sprung something on me right before we started recording. Okay. Uh, some event that you're doing called Hayamim. And I, I know, mean, I, I assume that's a Hebrew word. It sounds pretty Hebrew. I don't know what that means. Uh, I know that it is in Boise. Yes. And I know it's May 3rd and May 4th of 2019. Yes. Hopefully you know that if you're listening in real time. But for those listeners who are a couple years out, don't come to Boise. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. This is only for real time listeners. But I do. I have, a, I have an event coming up. Brent Billings wasn't even in on it. And the word Hayamim, it is. It's actually a Hebrew word. It means the days is what it means. Hayamim, the days. It's going to play into how we open the weekend. And then I'm actually going to close by preaching a sermon. It goes through Sunday. So here's the here's the lowdown on this event. I'm creating this weekend event. It is a prototype. We're going to hold it at Boise Bible College is the venue it's going to be at. Um, we've got probably about 200 seats. Uh, I have an online RSVP that's going to be in the show notes. Um, and it's just a prototype. It's an experiment. I'm trying some things. It's uh, I've been trying some things here and there. Some of them have worked better than others. We'll see how this works. But this is a weekend event. It is a Friday night, um, all day Saturday, Friday, uh, Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. Go from like uh, 9 a.m. to 5, 9 to 5 event. And then I'm going to preach at uh, our sister church, uh, Real Life Treasure Valley in uh, Meridian, Idaho there. So if you're able to join us for the whole thing, it'll go from Friday evening through Sunday morning. And uh, basically, it's a weekend event where uh, it's kind of hard to... um, It's a brand new idea. Um, Bible is my shtick. Like, Bible is my wheelhouse. Like, I could just teach Bible. But I have a podcast. You're listening to it. That's where I teach Bible. So this is kind of outside of my wheelhouse. This is where I'm going to talk about um, less about Bible and scholarship and more about some of my opinions, if you will. Uh, some of my own just personal thoughts, thoughts about um, what I hear whenever I travel around the country, uh, especially when it comes to millennials and Gen Z. Uh, most of my, I would say the the bulk of my listener demographic, um, people trying to figure out like, what is the church and how do I fit in it? And I get, I'm starting to get about four to eight emails a day. Brent, some of them are people's stories. And I can't tell you how many stories are people saying, I grew up in the church uh, I was burned by the church or I grew to hate the church or whatever it is. Like we have a lot of this church baggage. So how does that all fit? What do we do? Do we go to church? Do we not go to church? Is a church, is a church relevant? Does a church have a role in all of this? Uh, what do we do with that? And when you're a Gen Z or a millennial or a, a younger person, like there's just these questions. There's these overarching questions. I was sharing this with some of my Boise friends when I was down in Boise last week and somebody said, these are the questions of my existence. Like this is what we stay up at night thinking about. I like some of these questions you have in the description here. How do we navigate the intense cultural chaos in which we find ourselves? Is the church still relevant? Do I still belong there? Does it matter? How do we become a part of the solution? Right. It's easy to throw rocks at the problems. That's easy. But I want to know, like, is there a solution we can be a part of and how can we? And I'm not sure I've got it. Well, I know I don't have it. I just have some thoughts and those thoughts may be helpful. 
for some people's uh, journeys. And the answers to those questions aren't going to be simple yes or no answers. They're going to be very complex because our lives are complex and our wrestling matches are very nuanced. And we're going to recognize that as we go. It's a weekend event, Brent. It's a prototype. I don't know how it's going to go. If you're listening to this, do not fly into Boise. For this event. Here's the deal. It's a prototype event. It's being put on. I think we have four or five Bayma groups down in the Boise area. We have some more that aren't on the map, I think. Um, this event is kind of for my Bayma network and those close to me in the Treasure Valley. It's a prototype because my plan would be, my hope would be, that if this works, I can refine it, I can revise it, and I can bring this event to a venue near you. Like there are places where we have large concentrations of groups in Florida and North Carolina and like there are all these places. Um, so don't come to us, let us come yes. to you and it will be better at this point to do that because I only have so many seats and I don't know how it's going to go. And I want you to buy a ticket and fly all the way across the country and come to something that I end up going, Hmm, that was a good idea. That didn't work. So let us, let us revise it. Let us refine it and you'll get an even better product. Is there a cost associated with attending this event? This is free. Please, if you are going to come, if you are a Boise listener, please come. Um, I do want you to come. Please, please, please. And uh, RSVP online. We're going to put a link in the show notes. Use that link to, uh, to get your online free ticket, if you will. That helps me know how many people are coming and when I need to shut it down or how hard I need to promote it. Um, but we are going to be, it is going to, I don't want to bait and switch anybody. It is going to be a fundraiser. So do come with some cash that you can donate for your ticket. Um, but the tickets are technically free and we're going to be asking for donations. I am going to be looking for supporters. I'm going to be looking for staff. I'm going to be promoting impact campus ministries and the work that we do, uh, the work that I do with Bema. just all, it's, it's going to be kind of a, a big event to catch all kinds of stuff that hopefully fits all together. So that's what's coming. We got Bayma trips coming too. Registrations aren't open yet, but people are sending me emails. So what's next? What's next is in like uh, trips wise. Yeah. Uh, well, we got two trips coming up in 2020. Uh, we have what I'm going to call a low contact trip uh, in May of 2020. Um, that registration should probably open up about June uh, of this year, I think. That trip June is for of people. 2019. Uh, yes, June of 2019. We'll be starting registration. That trip is for people that are elderly or physically. Um, uh, less able, if you will, to, we won't be doing the hiking. We won't be going in the middle of August. Uh, it'll be a lot easier to endure physically. It's not the trip that you're going to want if you can do the physical activity. Um, but if you can't, if you just can't, uh, I'm trying to create a trip that can at least touch on some of those points. And again, it's an experiment. We'll see how it goes. And then in August of 2020, registration for this trip will open in October of 2019. Uh, but we are going to be doing uh, our trip, uh, normal full contact trip to Israel. 12 days. This will be the first time we're not going to do Turkey. Full contact. Full contact. Uh, 7, 12 miles of hiking. 100, 110, 120 degree heat. It's the one that you want if you can. If you are able, that's the trip that you want to go on. Um, about 4,500 bucks. Uh, we'll do Turkey in 2022. Part B, if you will. I'm just picturing you like running at a rock and tackling it. Yes. Full that contact. That kind of full contact? Full contact. <laughs> so, yeah, we got some stuff coming up. Uh, we'll be talking more about that as we go, Brent, but we'll put some things on people's radar. How about that? Sounds great. We're eight minutes in to a short podcast today. Well, so, we'll uh, see about that. You talked about exciting, and I, I am excited. And I was going to save my excitement, but you got me excited early. Sorry. Because this... 
this is like people ask me about my trips all the time. Like, what's your favorite place to go on a trip? Very rarely do I, sometimes I get asked this, but people don't ask me like, what is your favorite part of the Bible to teach? Like, what is your, like in your Bema material? And I got to tell you, like there are some highlights. Uh, Genesis is some of my favorite material, obviously. In fact, if you made it to session three, congratulations, because far too many people never make it out of session one. And they just get stuck there like an endless loop. But Jesus is super important. So you have to keep going. But Genesis is some of my favorite material. Um, uh, I think... um, you know me, Brent. What's some of my favorite material? I think the the intertestamental, like the setting up of the Gospels we did in session three, is some of my favorite material. And then parables, for me, top three. Like top three highlights of my body of work is getting to the parables because so many things in the teaching of Jesus start to click and come alive. And people just love it. Like I love how people interact with the parables. So pretty excited to start this little journey today. The parables are one of the first things that I came into contact with uh, from a an Eastern Jewish perspective. Ooh, nice. So it was kind of my intro into this whole world that, we've, like that. that we've been talking about for the last few years. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So um, pretty excited about that. Uh, so there is like a, there is a mechanism in Jewish parables. There is a Jewish hermeneutic. We're actually going to look at that more in the next episode but one of the reasons I love getting to parables is it's going to teach us how to interact with the teachings of a Jewish rabbi. Um, it's just really able to teach us and teach us how to um, how to interact with those ideas. So uh, that's why I'm excited. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different today, Brent. Usually we kind of walk through a passage. I want you to just read the whole thing right up front. So we're going to read the whole passage about what most people know as the parable of the sower. And uh, just read the whole thing. And I'm going to try to reserve... I'm going to try not to interrupt you. That'll be my challenge for the day. And then when you get done, uh, we'll walk through some ideas here. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. 
This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. There you go. I was able to withhold myself back. Miracle of miracles. I know. Uh, so parable of the sower, right? First thing we probably ought to say is a little bit about that. We need to actually talk about, this isn't actually a parable of the sower at all. Uh, I think we'd more appropriately understand this to be the parable of the soils. Um, I mean, Jesus is going to say that in his explanation, but the context of the parable is going to say it too. Uh, the sower is God. The variable of the parable is the soil and not the sower. Therefore, the point of the parable would not be that we are the ones sowing seed, but that God is sowing the seed. I can't tell you how many times, Brent, I've heard this teaching um, given to youth groups or churches or campus ministry events, and people talk about, well, you know, you just got to go out and sow seed, and some people are going to be ready to hear it, and some people aren't. And it's like, this is not about you sowing the seed, like Jesus makes that clear. God is the one that sows the seed. What bothers me about that is that when we do it the other way, this parable becomes like an affirmation of all the things that we already know. Like you're going to go out and sow seed and some people aren't going to receive it. But to be clear, the parable is not a reaffirmation of all the things we already believe. Every parable that's ever told by a Jewish rabbi is told to challenge the hearer to wrestle with something, to be changed, to be different. A parable is supposed to provoke. So the parable is a challenge to us to be changed and refined. Um, I think the next thing I would point out about this parable is that it's helpful to know that Jesus isn't coming up. Jesus is actually following a common template in his world. Uh, The rabbis actually would use this four-part uh, parable, uh, parable or teaching tool all the time. They would talk about four different learners is the most common place that we've found this in Talmud and Mishnah and those kind of rabbinic conversations that we have on record. The most common template that Jesus seems to be using here always talks about the four learners. Um, one of my favorites uh, talks about the sponge, the funnel, the strainer, and the sieve. Is that how you say that? Sieve? Did I say that correctly? I think so. Okay. So, so the sponge is the kind of student that takes in everything and keeps everything. They just soak everything up. The funnel is somebody that takes in everything but loses everything. Like eventually it all just goes away. The strainer is somebody who takes in everything but keeps the bad. And the sieve is somebody that takes in everything but keeps the good. And of course, the whole point of the parable is what, Brent? What is the rabbi trying to get you to think about? What are you doing with what you're learning? Right. Which one are you? Are you, like, even if our listeners, like... Let's just take that rabbinical model. All four learners are taking in everything. Right. But what are they doing with what they're taking in? And that's the question. Which are you the sponge? You take in everything and you keep everything? You don't know how to get the good from the bad? Like everything you hear, every sermon, every teaching is just like, wow. And you just believe it? You just keep it? Are you the funnel where you like take in everything, but eventually you lose everything? Are you the strainer where you take in everything and whether it's because you have a, a bad eye, ra'a, or because you have a really 
poor job distinguishing the good from the bad or discerning. I, I don't know what it is. You keep only the bad. You take in everything, but you keep only the bad. Or are you the sieve, which is what you obviously want to be, the fourth learner? You usually want to be the fourth learner in these rabbinical models. You want to be the one that takes in everything but keeps the good. That's what we would want to be. Which one Which one are you? That's the natural. The rabbi doesn't even have to ask that question. The template, the teaching tool, the parable does the work for him. He doesn't have to ask the question. It's implied. Uh, the other one would be, um, uh, there's another rabbinical template that talks about the quick learner, slow doer. The quick learner, quick doer. The slow learner, quick doer. Or the slow learner, slow doer. Obviously the question, which one are you? I remember having a great question with, uh, or a great conversation with one of our friends, mutual friends, Jay Tizzle, JT, um, JT Manning, John Thomas. Do I have that correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> We're spending so much time talking about his name. Know. I'm sure he's going to love it. Cause he's got a great name. We yeah, know him as Tizzle. JT, uh, remember talking to JT about, um, the patriarchs. Like he was curious. It's still a conversation that sticks with me. Um, this, uh, the four patriarchs seem to be these four models, the quick learner, slow doer, the quick learner, quick doer, the slow learner, quick doer, and the slow learner, slow doer. We won't do that here. Don't worry about that. But think about it. It's fun to think about which, which uh, patriarch is with. Well, now you got me thinking about it. <laughs> I know, right? But this is another one of those four. Realize that Jesus is using a template that everybody would have been like, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. Rabbis do this. They talk about the four learners. Which learner are you? The point of the parable is not that you are the sower and other people aren't going to receive the seed that you're sowing. The question is, which soil are you and how are you receiving the seed that God is sowing in your life? That is the point of the parable to get us to wrestle with that. And so we have four different soils here. Brent, would you be willing to just review? Let's just concisely review like which, like the four soils that we have in our parable before us here. Go ahead and lead us through that little, just review this for us. So this, the uh, seed that falls on the path, the path doesn't understand. Uh, the evil one comes and, you know, snatches the seed or whatever. All right. So soil number one is this hard, pathy soil. Okay. Then you have the rocks, uh, which understands, but doesn't have any depth to it. So there's no roots. Uh, and then, and when hardship comes, it falls away. All right. Soil number two, the rocks. Okay. Then you have the thorns, which understands and grows, but then it's choked out by the concerns of the world. And then you have the good soil, which understands and does what they're supposed to do. Excellent. Produces a good crop. Right. So four An interesting, different... uh, maybe we'll talk about that later, the 160-30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to that later. Okay. All right, we'll come back. Not in this podcast, but the next one. Okay, all right. We're going to leave it hanging. Okay. Um, the path, the rocks, the thorns, and the good soil. And the, the obvious question is, Brent, what's the question here? Which one are you? Which soil are you? Are you the path? Are you the person who doesn't understand the evil ones snatching it away? Are you the are you the rocks? Like you understand, but you have, you have a hard time like digging deep roots. Like you're this shallow person. Like you understand it, but you're... I don't know if it's you're spiritually distracted or you're like, you just have a hard time being a rooted individual that grows deep and has depth. And so the problem is, is that as soon as like trouble and persecution comes, who can endure that? Or are you the person that understands, but uh, there's a lot of things you got to worry about in this world and you're really trying to do it 
the world's way. You're trying to pursue the good life, not the good life, not the Jesus life. You're trying to, so that's going to be a problem. Or are you soil that's prepared, prepared for the seed that God wants to sow? Um, uh, and so the disciples come at the end of this parable and they ask Jesus uh, a question. But I even find this a beautiful part of this teaching, right? Even the disciples' question is informative. They come and they ask Jesus, um, they come and they ask Jesus, like, why do you teach, th- why are they teaching parables? Like, why do you do this? This is, like, rabbis do this, but. This wouldn't be unknown to them. They would have no. seen other rabbis doing this before. Absolutely. Yeah. But they want to know, like. In this setting, in this way, why are you teaching in parables? Because these these people don't necessarily get all this. This is complicated rabbinic method here. Why why are you doing this? And I love Jesus's answer because he essentially says, "I teach them in parables so that they won't understand me." <laughs> I have a good friend um, in Missouri at Truman State um, who's in campus ministry, and he was teaching on this for some of his students. Uh, and he pointed out that if we if we measure Jesus by Western methods. Like Jesus is a horrible theologian, a horrible teacher, because he's just not interested in doing things using the Western like measures, measuring measuring rod of success. Uh, he's like a he's like the worst teacher ever. And one of his students came up and was like, "This is the first time he's ever been told that what he taught was absolutely offensive." <laughs> it just makes me chuckle because we always evaluate Jesus by a measuring stick. He just never would have accepted. He's not a Western teacher. He's an Eastern rabbi and makes him a makes him a horrible western teacher because he doesn't teach like a westerner he teaches parables according to his own words he teaches in parables so that people won't understand him and he quotes that passage out of isaiah 6 which i I love that passage and there's a couple different translations but the translation especially coming out of the septuagint that gets recorded in matthew here it basically says i I teach them because though they have though they have eyes And though they have ears, they've closed them because if they did see, they would turn and repent and I would heal them. But they've closed their eyes because they don't really want to change. And I think about how true that is in our own world as well. Like, why does Jesus teach in parables? Because those people don't want to change. And so I teach them in parables because they would have to actually want it. They have to actually dig. They have to actually understand, but they don't want to understand. They don't want to be challenged by and hear the truth because then they'd have to be a different kind of people. So even that is a great teaching point, by the way, as we go through here. Um, But Jesus's larger point in the parable appears to be that the truth of the kingdom of heaven is such that people have to do the work of tilling their soil so that they can receive the seed being sown. If you aren't willing to prepare your soil, then it's really easy to have ears that cannot hear or eyes that cannot see. So let's say you're the path, Brent, and uh, you need to prepare your soil. What would we, where would we turn, Brent, if we want to know? Jesus is telling me to prepare my soil, and I want to know how. I'm the path. Let's say I hear the teaching, and I'm like, I'm the path. What is it that, where would we go to know what to do? Uh, seems like it's going to be in the text. I would go to the text. Beautiful Jewish answer. What about Hosea 10? Uh, what verse do you have out of a Hosea 10 here and read it to us? Uh, verse 12, sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Which I find to be really interesting. Like that would be the answer to 
How do I break up the unplowed ground? If I'm the path, how do I break up the unplowed ground? Well, Jesus says, be generous. So Zadeka is the literal word there. Word there. We've looked at that all throughout session two. Like Jesus goes back and says, well, if you want, if you're the path, just start, start being the kind of person that God's called you to be. Be generous. Sow righteousness. And then you'll break up your unplowed ground. Interesting answer that we might find. What if we were the rocks? How about Isaiah? Let's see. Isaiah chapter five. What verse do you got there? Five verse 24. Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up straw and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay and their flowers blow away like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. All right. That was Isaiah 5. So if we want deep roots, we'd put we'd put our resources in the law of the Lord Almighty. By the way, you could also look at like, say, Jeremiah 17 or Ezekiel 17. Um, and they would have bo- they would both have discussions about deep roots. So if I find myself being the rocky soil, I think Jeremiah 17, Ezekiel 17, Isaiah 5 have some ideas there about how do you build deep roots. Here's what I find so interesting, Brent. When you're the path, go be generous. Go be a particular kind of person. If you're the rocks, go pursue like that Hagah. We've, I think we talked way back when in session one about Hagah and Hagah in the text with the acacia tree. Like go become a tree planted. You want roots? Go become an acacia tree planted by streams of living water. Somebody who delights in the law of the Lord day and night. And that fits in perfect because it's, you know, the, the grass is dry. And that's right. why the fire is able to. Absolutely. So you you got to have the, the living water. Absolutely. And the acacia tree, when there is no water, looks incredibly dry. We talked about that all the way back in session one. Uh, maybe we could even link that episode for those that need to go back and review. Looks unbelievably dry. Looks dead as a doornail. And yet its root system is incredibly deep and ready to withstand all that because it is a rooted tree. I love the callback to session one there. Um, so we've done the path. We've done the rocks. What if you're the thorns? Like what if, if your soil was really thorny? What would you, how about Jeremiah 4? What do you got there? All right, verses 3 and 4. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. And I love that reference because of the context of Jeremiah, because he's dealing directly with their idolatry, which I love how these remezes here, these passages line up with the very explanation that Jesus gives in his, in his, you know, if you're, if you're the path, you need to prepare, be generous. So righteousness, if you're, if you're the, you have no root because you're the rocks, all of these remezas, if you will, all of these callbacks to the Old Testament text are, are linking us, rooting us, no pun intended, in the, in, the, in the very thing that Jesus is saying in his explanation is needed. And so in this case, well, if you're the thorns, that's the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. And so what does that link up with? Well, Jeremiah 4, which is talking about the idolatry of God's people. And we looked at in session two, Brent, what was the idolatry? I mean, what was the real idolatry? Story A, story B, we looked at the chronicler with all the time and perspective. And what was the real idolatry that they were dealing with? The lust for empire. Ah, which is nothing more than wealth and greed and all of those things, which is what Jesus is talking about here in the parable of the soils. So just to recap here, as we close off this parable, 
you have this Jesus not talking to us about the seed that we are sowing, but talking to us about which soil we are, asking, our, uh, asking us to examine ourselves of what are the things that we need to do to prepare our soil. Not the parable of the sower, but in fact the parable of the soils. Now, we're going to leave a lot of this stuff kind of un... There, there's more. Is there not more we need to talk about here, Brent? There's more. There's more. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to leave this kind of right in the middle of a conversation for our next podcast, and we're going to move into the next parable... And we're going to use it to talk about some mechanics, if you will, some technicalities of how do you interact with parables as a Jewish thinker and a Jewish hearer. And then as we do that, we're going to try to call back in our next podcast, we're going to try to call back to this teaching and try to fill in some some blanks here. So we're just going to let this hang just a little bit this week. And we've referenced the Peshat, Ramez, Drash, and Sod before. Correct. But next episode, we're going to deep dive on that. Absolutely. So if you That's had any questions from previous episodes, hopefully we'll answer them in yes. the next one. This is why we're so excited. And I'm still working on whether or not we've packaged it well, but I like how this is coming together personally. All right. Well, uh, catch up on some old episodes. Check out uh, Marty's upcoming event if you're one of our Boise listeners. And uh, if you're in any other discussion groups, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll come visit a city near you with... Uh, whatever Marty has cooking up. So thanks for joining us on the Bama podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.